0: You're listening to the Business Equation Podcast with Nick Bogaz. The solution to every equation in business and in life can be summed up with one word, mindset. Get ready as Nick takes you deep into the philosophy of mindset mastery alongside entrepreneurs and professionals who've harnessed the power of clear, definitive thinking and leveraged it to build tangible success. And now, here's your host, Nick Bogaz. Welcome
1: back to the Business Equation Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bogaz. And today, I'm here with a very special guest, Mr. Robert Clickenbeard. Robert, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you.
2: I am really appreciate being here.
1: Great. Would you mind giving our listeners the 411 on who you are and what you bring to the show today?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, you know, can you tell by my accent, I'm not originally from the US. I um, came across here in 99 from Scotland and uh, went straight from Scotland across to, to Phoenix and started up my business in 2001, the commercial landscape business and some real estate as well. And grew that business to 20 million, twenty million, four hundred employees, and then I sold that business in two thousand sixteen uh, to a four billion dollar company. Uh, I was actually out of Pennsylvania, and I worked for them for a couple of uh, couple of painful years, uh, and then moved into doing business coaching, podcasting, uh, some real estate investments. During during that time, I I did uh, do a few small races for Ironman races during my time. So uh, I'll obviously be talking about that mindset, being able to juggle both.
1: So when you came across, did you know that you wanted to start your own business? Was that always something that you wanted to do or, or how did that kind of work?
2: No, I mean, I think I, I knew that I was somewhat restricted in Scotland. Scotland's a beautiful place. People are great, you know, beautiful for countryside, but, uh, I just felt as though life was too short. There There's not a great deal of um, uh, promotion or being successful or having a business. It's just a slightly different mindset over there. So when I came across here in vacation to Scottsdale, Arizona, I just saw how people live there, started asking a lot of questions, and I thought, well, what am I doing wrong here? So eventually I found out that a lot of people had their own businesses. They're all successful, either CEOs or exec- executives. And I thought, well, Maybe what 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 are some of the things I could do to move myself into a slightly better lifestyle?
1: So you kind of picked uh real estate and and the landscaping. Was that correct? How that right. worked?
2: Yeah. Primarily uh, landscaping, commercial landscaping.
1: Okay. So that's what you started with. That's where that's where it started. That's where you made your first money.
2: How did you get into the
1: landscaping? How did that work?
2: Yeah, a little bit of my background was landscaping. I had got my degree back in Scotland. Uh, I was in charge of city parks across there. But um, when I first came across the States, I worked for this large, um, probably one of the largest landscape companies in the US. Um, you know, great company, great experience there. But um, I just felt as though they weren't necessarily taking care of the clients. So myself and my business partner, we left that company and started up on our own uh, back in 2001. And really just started focusing on our clients and the quality uh, and just almost changed the game within the Phoenix market, just taking landscaping from what's seen as a fairly dirty business into more of that professional sales type organization. And that's what really what grew our company.
1: So you you grew it by going after new customers. Was that how you decided to go after it?
2: New, new customers, taking care of clients, um, networking really well we were we were mainly focused on that commercial high-end classy type office buildings hotels big HOAs you
1: you knew what your focus was then it wasn't like you were going after residential you knew we wanted to go after commercial we want to go after high-end and you put together I guess a a program that was designed for for that type of client is that correct Uh,
2: yeah absolutely we um you know all of our trucks everything was geared towards that bigger size properties and then we built a really tremendous sales organization a lot of business developers would be part of all the organizations we do a lot of networking did a lot of golf tournament sponsorship we were involved in the phoenix open so yeah we, landscaping was almost a basic service but taking care of the clients and selling to them selling those extra services was a game changer for us
1: Okay, so 16 years in, you become real successful. Um, you, you've said $20 million, which is a, a lot of revenue to, to be pumping through. And take me through the moment where you decided maybe this was it, that you wanted to move on and do something different.
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, there was constantly people asking to for us to sell the company. So that was a nice um, you know nice add-on. But the, I think the primary thing, I'm, I'm part of a group called the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, and I went a bit, I go to a lot of learning events, I go a lot of um, um, speakers. So there was one event in particular, and it was actually July of uh, 2015. Uh, people like Vern Harnish and, you know, just a lot of great speakers there. And I had during those three or four days of speakers, I had that light bulb moment, knowing that life is too short. I'm not happy in the situation I'm starting to have some partnership issues. So I wanted to see well, how, how do I take advantage of you know what's ahead of me? because uh, we were just I was more in that growth mode. I wanted to take the company to the next level. My partner was more into lifestyle. He liked his country club memberships. So um, yeah, I just I came back to, from that event and said, hey, we need to find a way to to part ways we either buy each other out. We hold it together long enough to sell the company. Um, what, what do you want to do?
1: So you were you were partners for that whole 16 years? Is that how that worked?
2: Yep, absolutely. It's almost, it's almost like a marriage. <laughs>
1: yeah, sure. Absolutely. It really is. There's a lot of give and take in a partnership. That, that's for sure. Sometimes it feels like more give than take. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so what happened with that conversation? Was it kind of where it was? It was amicable cool, and and um, it went it went well. And, and were you just uh, kind of like, okay, he agreed, let's sell it, or, or what happened there?
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think he agreed. He recognized there was we were starting to go sideways a little bit. So we ended up um, it, literally within a couple of days, um, we actually got a phone call from a broker again interested in buying our business. So you know what. After having a conversation with him, you know, he was telling us it was a hot market to sell. You know, We thought, well, let's hold it together long enough to put the company up for sale and hopefully get a buyer for our business. So that's what we did is uh, within two months of having that conversation, we had our, our book prepared to sell the business. Uh, we put it on the market in, I think, early September 15. And then by middle of December, we probably had 17 people who had visited their company, interested in buying it. And by mid-January, we had seven people who put offers into our company.
1: So after you sold it, was there buyer's remorse or, or did you celebrate?
2: Uh, it was a lot of hard work selling it. It was definitely, um, we, we got a really good price for it. So I was pretty happy, but... There was somewhat buyer's remorse because a lot of the promises that they made in terms of not really touching our company was not true. So there was a lot of things that changed within six months. And, you know, here we are now five years later, the company is at probably 50% of the revenue it's at. All my top employees have now left. And that that's, what, not, that's not why I wanted the company to, to be left. I wanted that legacy to be there. And so there's definitely
1: some buyer's remorse more sale. Yeah. I, I could see where you've got a lot of people to help you build it. So you make promises to them and you hope that they're in good hands when you leave. And that's the, that's part of the the tough process. I, I could definitely understand that for sure. So, so at, after the sale, and I guess it was, sounds like it was one of those deals where they want you to stay on to kind of show them how to run everything for a few years. And, um, it was different then, right? Like it was different than you actually when you owned it and now you've got uh, somebody over, looking over your shoulders and, and asking questions and then trying to start sh- shaping the company the way they want to shape it and um, going against your better judgment, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, probably 15, 16 years of being an entrepreneur and making your own decisions, making your know, mistakes, um, a lot of those along the way. But yeah, for now, to then have people look at things you know, a few thousand miles away, just looking at your financials. I almost felt as though they were not trusting us anymore. So, yeah, there was a lot of decisions being made about financial decisions that were just didn't sit well with me. And, you know, I tried to grin and bear it as long as I could. But after two years, it was just, it was making me miserable. It was making my family miserable because they were hearing hearing me every single day complaining. So I just thought, you know what, I need to I need to move on. Again, it gets back to that whole decision why I moved to the States, is just to improve my lifestyle, improve my attitude. And so I thought, well, again, life is too short. I need to move on to doing something a little bit different that's uh, for me. When you talk about
1: having 400 employees, I know that's a hot, bot- hot, hot button topic in today's market with the employees. And, and I still think... You know, my thought is everyone's talking about how tough it is to hire right now. It's always been difficult to hire, always, and and I think especially to get good quality employees. And then when you get build an organization, it's so important to have communication. Can you talk about what the what communication meant to your organization of four hundred people?
2: Yeah, I mean communication is is huge. I mean, I, I even talk about that in my coaching these days. Is that you know when people get busy they almost have that excuse oh we're too busy to have meetings or communicate Mm. and I almost have the opposite attitude where I feel as though you have to communicate more but maybe less you know longer meetings but maybe shorter meetings so yeah when you start getting busier and there's a lot more moving parts you almost have to communicate uh, more frequently so one of the things that we like to try and do is daily huddles So just those short, maybe five, 10 short meetings, um, minute meetings every single day, and just talk about through some of the the wins from the previous day and then some of the challenges that were facing you that day. So those types of things really just help to communicate uh, at that lower level. And then having those middle senior manager meetings, again, really concise agendas, making sure things are not getting off track looking at some of your critical numbers during those meetings, I think are really essential to help take your company to the next level.
1: I know when we were growing, what I saw was when we were going from 40 employees to 80 employees, it seemed like there was a a big jump on, on, we really had to sit down and say, okay, we're gonna have meetings and we're gonna be consistent in how we have meetings. And and it made a big difference. And I think in this day and age, you have different things like uh, the WhatsApp app or GroupMe, and it's just important to keep everybody connected, and I think that can get lost a lot of times because I know a lot of people. When you say, "Oh, I've got 140 employees, or 200 employees, or 400 employees," a lot of people react like, "Oh, wow! I don't know how you ever do that." But the truth is, is, is you stay connected, and I think that's what's really important is if you stay connected with your employees and your team, you you can steer them in the way that you need them to go. And when things like COVID happen, you can go ahead and um, be able to communicate all the different restrictions. that that everything's putting against you and, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to react and all the safety protocols and everything you've got to, you've got already a system built in on how to react to things. So it's really important. I I think the other thing I wanted to ask you about was kind of like the mindset of the entrepreneur, like as you're building this thing, there's got to be different challenges to where sometimes it it seems like everything's great in business. And then there's other times where you just beat up because Uh, things just aren't going right. You know, whether it's, um, whether it's employees or whether it's um, just the the climate of, of the economy or the sales seems like they dried up or you you hit a run where you've got salesmen with excuses or whatever it may be just, you know, natural disasters too. I'm I'm sure there's times where it didn't rain in, in Arizona and it became tough to figure out how to, how we're going to cut more grass. Like, just like the, when you get beat up and you feel down as an entrepreneur, but you've done great, successful things already, but then there's a point where you're beat up. Like, how do you get through that part where you know you're successful already, but then there's just other challenges? You're like, man, here we go again.
2: No, that's that's, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt every single day I was getting beat up, especially in the the service industry where, you know, there's constantly problems out in the field, constantly complaints coming in from, uh, from clients and customers. So it was really tough to keep motivated. And, you know, I talk about it in my in my book where you have to have that type of northern lights, that shining star, that vision ahead of you just to really keep you motivated. And, you know, what, what's that thing maybe in your office or maybe somewhere else in, the, in on your bathroom mirror that keeps you motivated every single day? And that was one of the things that kept me going was, yeah, I could not only get beat up by my clients, but I'd also get beat up by just driving through the yard and seeing trucks with damage on it. I could see mess around my yard. I could see employees going around not wearing their safety equipment. Um, Yeah, and it could get pretty demoralizing. But, you know, what are some of the things that you could really keep your um, lights on and where's that shining star and you know for me it was um, a better lifestyle for, for my family it was the hope of some exit in the future and again that would lead me onto a different path so yeah you, you need to have some type of uh, you know goal that northern light keeping you keeping you going.
1: so when you did sell and you stayed on for a little bit but after that ended, Did you know that you wanted to get into coaching or was it something that did you take some time for yourself after all the hard work over the last 20 years or was there you got right back into something and started something new?
2: Yeah, that's a contentious subject with my wife. (laughs) She would have loved to see me uh, take some time off, but I, I just got straight back into it. I just, I think the type of person I am. So I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to get into uh, I did actually ended up hiring a life coach just to, you know, when you have 20 years into a business and it suddenly gets unplugged from you, it definitely took me a while just to adjust mentally. But, you know, I moved back into the coaching. I talked to a lot of people within my, my network and I figured, tried to figure out, well, what's the way in which I can I could give back to other business owners and share experience that i've gained over the last 20 years again i've made a ton of mistakes but if there's a way in which i could give back to other business owners and again hopefully hopefully get them to a point where they have some type of successful exit then that would give me great satisfaction so I've, i've i did come up with my my purpose in life and it's to make a positive impact on others so when i looked at that and i thought well coaching seems to match that that goal so, yeah, got straight back into the coaching.
1: And then with the coaching, are you, are you going all over the country doing coaching? Is it is it now, are you back to in-person coaching? I'd imagine there's a lot of Zoom calls and stuff like that over during the last uh, year and a half.
2: Yeah, I was doing a lot of virtual stuff from probably April to August last year. But since August, I've been pretty much traveling every two to three weeks uh, all around the country, up into Canada, even I have some clients across in Europe and Asia. Uh, I love that the stuff is done virtually. But, um, yeah, I feel as though you get such a better connection doing things in person and where you're actually meeting with the leadership team and helping coach them through some challenges they have.
1: And then there was a part where where you did did do something for yourself too, right? Like the, the Ironman um, competitions. Can you talk about that and, and kind of how, how you got into, into that and, and the mindset behind it?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm a big sports guy, I grew up playing soccer, then jumped into rugby, um, all fun sports, but I started to get beat up a lot in rugby, I used to come into work every day with a broken nose or something, so I moved into doing some running, some small triathlons, and I, I had no concept whatsoever to do an Ironman race, which is the two and a half mile swim, 112 bike, and then the marathon mainly because I'm a terrible swimmer. I mean, I could literally swim one leg to the pool. But I felt as though I got my business to where it was running fairly independent of me. Um, I was able to take some nice vacations. I I got some nice leadership team in place. They all had the direction where the company was going. They all had their KPIs and their critical numbers. So I felt as though I needed some type of challenge to myself. So I, I started to get into doing half Ironman races, Ironman races, and yeah, I mean, I probably did 100, 150 altogether, but yeah, the pinnacle ones are the Ironman races where you know, my first was in Arizona, 2009, and they did it just in roughly about 11 hours. But I think what allowed me to do that, because it involves 20 plus hours a week of training, was having my business in such a like a well-run oiled machine that allowed me that time to take off doing the, the training.
1: You think a lot of people feel like they're just stuck in their business and then they see somebody that maybe works on their business rather than working in their business and just doesn't understand how that happens. Like, take us through the process of how you are able to get outside of your business and actually work on it and not get stuck on the day-to-day activities that really that someone else could be doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember distinctly I, I had a mind change myself where you know I think in some ways ego was a big part of my life where I enjoyed being that person everybody would come to there'd, there'd be that revolving door I'd love to solve the problems and then I thought well I'm actually doing myself a disservice because I get home at the end of the you know the end of the night and I'm exhausted and I'm also enabling all the leaders of work for me so start to tried to change that mindset where when they came into the room asking for a solution, I would turn around and say, hey, what what would you do in that scenario? You've been with this company now for five years. You've seen a lot out there. How would you solve it? So eventually it got to a point where they were solving their own issues. And yeah, there was some tweaking here and there, but it really changed them to become more confident in their role. And again, that freed up my time to be able to work on the business. So I see that all the time when I go into coaching, uh, coaching big organizations where the owner, the the founder is so still involved in in the weeds in the business. And my goal is to try and get them to delegate more things to their team and allow them to be able to carve out some reflective time so they can then work on their business and strategize where they're taking the company to the next level.
1: I really feel like there's great advice in there. Uh, I like where, where you're talking about the way that you react when somebody comes in with a, a problem, because that's what happens a lot. I, I think owners and entrepreneurs get stuck when somebody comes in and, and they're still solving all the problems. Like They pay somebody to lead a team and and really to do a job. And then next thing you know, in a early morning or a phone call at night, uh, here comes the problem. And you're thinking, man, I, I, you know, I paid somebody to to be able to take care of this and here I am solving it again, but you're, you're right. Like it, it's not as simple as that you really have to train them to be able to, to think like that. Because I think a lot of times the entrepreneurs think different than an employee. That's why you're an, an owner and they're an employee. So I think sometimes you have to train them on how to think. And, and I like that when you said you give it back to them and say, uh, well, well, how would you solve it and and it takes practice right It's not like the first time that happens a light bulb goes off and they're able to, you know they probably come back to you three, four, five fifteen times but eventually something happens right?
2: yeah it probably took me at least two or three months to to really work on them and uh, give them that confidence but it was a huge game changer for for me and my business and it you know to take that stage further, you know, a lot of people are really ch- challenged now with, you know, rising wages, rising salaries. And I feel as though you should do the best job possible by hiring people that are better than you in your business. So again, they should have with that skill set and the fact that you're hiring better people, they should be able to own those problems. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it was huge for my business.
1: What about when you're talking about wages, what did you see when when you started to hire maybe the first or maybe the first few employees that you knew that you you really paid a lot for. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there was a point in your business where you never expected to pay somebody on your team the amount of money that you started to pay them. Like you started to pay them really good wages, like pre- pretty much like money. If you're like, man, if I could have made that, I probably would have never started my own business. You know, when, when you get through that mind gap of I can't pay somebody and then you realize that that it is worth paying them, and sometimes you do get what you pay for. So you almost overpay, but what they bring to your company is such a, a influx of of new ideas and new thoughts and new perspective. Can you talk about what it was like the first time that you brought in an employee that was an A level and you paid them paid them that way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I almost felt in some ways I a little bit of a grudge because I thought maybe I you know, should have been paid that, but I, I I quickly got over that once I started to see what they could produce for me. And then I started to put more responsibilities onto them and to start to produce more. So I thought, well, that's now freeing me up to do the things I'm passionate about. So it was almost like a game changer for, for my business where it freed me up to do more things I was happy to do and produce more revenue at a higher level, but To be able to see that person yeah be paid a little bit more and i had to get through my mindset shift but to then see them flourish in that role and give them more responsibility and test them i think that was really encouraging to me just to see them yeah develop robert where can
1: people get more of you if they want to get more of you what's the easiest way to find you
2: yeah two two ways is uh, through my linkedin uh, robert clinkenbeard on linkedin and then uh, through my, my website, they can get hold of my book there, see my coaching programs. But uh, the radixgroupllc.com is my uh, website and uh, some great information on there, great resources. I have my podcast link on there. So, yeah, there's the two main places. And, and what's, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, the Commercial Landscaper Podcast. And what about the name of your book? Uh, the Ironman Mindset for Entrepreneurs. Talks about everything related to business and sports.
1: Great. Uh, now it's time we get to solve the equation to your success. Are you ready for seven rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay, great. Best seminar or teaching you've ever been to?
2: I would say the MIT program through EO was tremendous.
1: Favorite item you recently bought under hundred bucks?
2: Good question. Um, I would say my back roller. While I'm traveling.
1: Name an idol or hero of yours that you've met in person. Uh,
2: Richard Branson.
1: Favorite book to give as a gift. Extreme ownership. Something you do every morning when you wake up.
2: Exercise. Your personal mantra or favorite quote. Only good things happen on the other side of fear. Place you
1: go to decompress and reset somewhere quiet, peaceful, and meditate for 10, 15 minutes. Robert, thank you so much for being a guest on The Business Equation. We appreciate the conversation. I'm sure our listeners are going to get a great deal of wisdom out of it, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Robert.
0: Thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for today's Mindset Journey on The Business Equation Podcast. Now it's time for you to take what you learned today and put it to work in your life each and every day. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So you're the first to know when new episodes go live. We'll see you next time on The Business Equation, where the solution is always in the mindset.